0: Hello, podcast listeners. Welcome to the Pregnancy Help Podcast. Uh, This is Mary Peterson. I'm the housing specialist for Heartbeat International and have the joy of introducing topics connected both to maternity housing as well as the pregnancy help movement at large. I've got a great guest today, Peggy Forrest from Our Ladies Inn. Um, our Ladies In has been a, a longtime friend of Heartbeat and the Coalition, and, and we've learned a lot from watching how your program has kind of tackled the topic of trauma informed care. So, Peggy, we're really grateful to have you. Would you mind introducing yourself briefly
1: and maybe tell us a little bit about Our Ladies In? Sure. As Mary said, I'm with Our Ladies In. Um, I'm actually the president of the organization. I've been with the organization about eight years, um, but the organization itself um, was around 30 years before I joined, so we're in our 38th year. We have two homes. Um, We we can serve um, 30 pregnant moms at a time. Um, We do allow them to bring other dependent children with them that they have. We also have an aftercare program, so once they kind of are ready to leave, you know, the residential program, we have a two-year program that follows them to give them those additional supports
0: awesome. I've had the chance to visit and it's really, to think about having so many women in one space, you've really done a great job at making that work and function and, um, you know, still have a, an element of, of home and community and all those things even in a big facility, so. Thank you.
1: Yeah, that that's probably one of our great challenges to make it feel like a home when you've got, you know, 18 families living in this in the same facility.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure all those dynamics say, like, probably some of our smaller programs are thinking, 18 families, oh So, I learned about trauma informed care from a member of your staff, from Belinda, and she was one of the first people that kind of introduced me to the the concept and really started putting it on on our radar. So, in many ways, I think of Our Ladies Inn as one of the maybe the groundbreakers in this area. And I understand that you're moving, you're kind of taking a big step forward here in in the next few months. Um,
1: Can you tell us about what that step is? Sure. You know, we, we made a decision mid-year last year after after about six months of research and training kind of for some of the the management team. Um, we wanted to make an informed decision about this trauma-informed care approach to service delivery. Um, it's kind of becoming a best practices in the behavioral services industry. And as you said, Belinda, you know, we're so fortunate to have her on our staff. So you know, she suggested that we really consider, you know, kind of overlaying that to our service delivery approach. And um, so several of us spent six months kind of in training, learning about trauma-informed care, what that means, how do you move your um, service delivery model in your organization, you know, to that kind of fully trauma-informed care approach. So we we did that. We made the decision um, that, yes, this definitely is what we want to do. It really flows into our mission and what we, we feel like we're already doing a lot of that type of care. It's just not really formalized and we don't call it that. We took it to the board. We did a little bit of education with our board of directors um, on what trauma-informed care meant. You know, it's, it's actually about a three-year process to fully integrate every aspect of the organization um, into this model. So this year, 2019, you know, we've really launched into it, you know, in in a big way. And it's, it's a big priority for us over the next three years.
0: Yeah, it's really exciting. And this podcast, we've talked a lot about things that change on a programmatic level or things to keep in mind, you know, thinking when you're interacting with, with residents and, and those type of things but this is kind of the first time that we're seeking it on a system level on an organizational level on what the implications might be for a whole um, a whole organization. Um, right. So, I don't could you give us a sense of maybe kind of what that looks like or what that means for the whole organization to be involved?
1: Sure. Well, um, maybe just a a little basic, um, because I certainly needed to understand what the basics were. Um, I'm not from a social services background, so I was probably the least informed about trauma-informed care, but it really is an approach to the Delivery of services that is based upon an understanding of trauma, and then an awareness of the impact that trauma can have, you know, to to individuals. Not only to the clients that we serve, but to those of us who are serving the clients. Because frankly, we've all probably experienced some form of trauma in our, you know, in our in our lives. And so that's kind of the the high level. Um, you know, trauma can be a result of. Um, A single event, a series of events, it can be something that, you know, some kind of crime or it could be experience of surviving a tornado or an earthquake or just a series of small events. You know, being homeless for a period of time can inflict trauma upon an individual and and particularly upon children. So um, I think as we look at how we're going to infuse this into our service delivery model, we're very keenly aware that trauma experience at an early age has really physiological effects on children, and it really affects the actual development of their brain. So what we don't want to do, one, we want to be able to recognize trauma when we see it. We want to help our clients recognize trauma, um, and we don't want to re-traumatize is oftentimes, you know, we in our effort to, to help or educate or lead somebody down a road that we believe is the best path for them, if we aren't aware of the trauma that they've kind of experienced, something that we do or say may retraumatize, it may bring up those buried feelings that they had. So it's it's really a, a long process of training ourselves, educating ourselves. Um, really listening to the clients and and um, you know and it also is an effort to ensure that those that we're seeking to serve really have the upper hand in saying what they what they want and what they need and and sometimes that can be challenging to people who are used to thinking that maybe we know better because of our life experiences or whatever. so
0: I know perhaps, in my own experience and I've heard other people, maybe there's a temptation to think that, you know, the type of healing related to trauma, like that happens in the counseling relationship or that happens maybe in the case management relationship. So this approach toward no, everyone in the organization, you know, has to have a sense of this. Like this isn't just the thing that happens in those kind of specific relationships, but it's an organizational approach. In some ways it's a kind of a, a paradigm shift, maybe to use that that language, but but it's a shift of thinking, right? it's not It's not just that tra- healing from trauma happens in in that particular relationship, but it happens in more of a in a broader sense. Is that
1: accurate, or is there a you yeah, know that thinking that's happens? exactly accurate because you know, in our maternity home setting, um, everybody has interaction with the women that we're serving and in their children. Um, you know, volunteers do. Every member of the staff does. um, even if your role is like mine, you know, um, you know, looking at the finances or looking at risk management, I mean, I have daily interaction with them, too. And if I'm not aware, of the, the idea of trauma and how trauma can impact behavior, you know, then I could, could inadvertently be, be re traumatizing somebody. You know, the discussion about um, what traumas someone has been through and whether they've, they've sought healing for it or whether they're, you know, whatever, where they are in the process, that really, those discussions really do remain kind of in the case management counselor field. Um, It's not like everybody in the organization is going to know all those intimate details about all the clients we serve, but we're going to be walking around interacting um, with an understanding um, that almost everybody that we run into, fellow staff members as well as clients, have some trauma that affects them, um, whether it's their processes in their thinking, whether it's their behavior, um, whether it's a reaction to, to something. So it's really more than awareness. So everybody that basically walks through our door, you know, on a regular basis really is going to need to be, um, to understand the impact that trauma has.
0: You mentioned volunteers and you mentioned the board, you know, mm-hmm. are, are you
1: those uh, people receiving training in this as well? Um, The board has received just a little bit of training. We just needed to educate them um, enough on what trauma is and why we wanted to undertake this to get them to agree to um, allocate the resources because it's, you know, there's a lot of training dollars that are going to need to be spent on an ongoing basis. And, you know, um, we may need to, to make some environmental changes to our facilities to, to make sure that we're fully trauma informed. And I can't tell you what those are yet because we haven't dug into that piece of it yet. They probably just would have, taken our word for it that this is what we want to do and given us the money, but we wanted to make sure that they really understood the importance of this and why we're allocating not only monetary resources but, you know, but our time and energy to this over the next three years. Um, so they will be getting additional training because they interact with, you know, with our clients as well. And then we've had one um, session of training with volunteers, which was really just to help them understand what trauma was. So there's kind of a – the first phase is really trauma awareness, just defining what trauma is, what it could look like, what might cause it, um, and then there will be subsequent subsequent trainings, you know, over the next couple of years. We will mirror – the training that we do with, with our staff, we will mirror with the volunteers as well um, so that – because we have some volunteers who are with us on almost a daily basis, and, um, you know, I think it's important that – um, that they're interacting with clients coming from the same perspective as, as the staff is.
0: You've spoken this as a three year process. So I know, you know, you're that our ladies and has already talked about this for for a lot of years. And, and now you're talking about kind of this in-depth process um, to go through. What exactly, what are the types of things that are a part of that process or why does it take so long um, um, to really kind of get it deep into the organization? Yeah.
1: Um, well, I think it's, it's, it's a little bit of a culture shift, I think like um like we talked about earlier and it's it's a it's a shift in how we think and and how we act so so that doesn't happen overnight, but practically we need to look at all of our policies, um, our our policies related to our clients and our all the rules that we have in our house, Um, we have to look at our intake processes. We have a kind of a multi-pronged approach to our intake. Look at all those things and ensure that we are not inadvertently re-traumatizing people by the way we ask questions or the questions that we ask. Or making sure that we're asking the right questions. So it, it kind of goes, kind of goes both ways. So we're looking at the intake process and all that that entails. All of the rules and policies around the house. All of our um, kind of HR policies because this is going to impact staff. So it's going to impact how we hire and who we hire. You know, we if we are hiring somebody, you know, going forward, we want to make sure that it's somebody who isn't kind of um, real authoritarian in nature, and all they want to do is say, this is the rule and you're going to follow it because I'm the boss. That's not trauma-informed, and, you know, I think that's a traditional kind of way of um, thinking. So it's really going to impact everything. So every every policy we have, every procedure that we have, as I mentioned before, what our, what our house looks like. Um, for example, when we first – started looking at this and, and understanding this, we were in in our house in St. Louis. And when you walk in the front door, we have a little vestibule for visitors to wait to visit our clients. And there was a sign on the bathroom door that said, visitors only no clients. And it really was just so that visitors knew that they could use it. That was the intent. And since the clients have their own bathrooms, we assumed that they could just go to their own bathroom. But really what it is was, was saying, well, this is, a, you know, to some clients, this is a nice bathroom and you don't want me to use it. You know, if they walk mm-hmm. in the door mm-hmm. and they're pregnant and they have to go to the bathroom, I don't want them to have to walk up a flight of stairs to go to the bathroom. So that was the very first thing that we did in our environment was take that time uh. down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's something that never would have occurred to us before. Um, we thought we were in, and maybe we could have put it up that said you know for visitor use but the fact that it said you know no client use i think you know you know said to, to certain clients this bathroom is too good for you so those are the kinds of things that you know that that we have to look at you know is our environment welcoming is it calming we had another situation that we had at the beginning of this year Um, We do regular emergency drills. Um, Every month we do either a fire drill or um, in Missouri we, we need a lot of tornado drills and intruder training drills. And the tornado drill requires that our women go down into our basement. And we had one woman that was absolutely refusing to go. And our first reaction, I think, or staff's first reaction was she was just not wanting to cooperate. Um, mm-hmm. Just because she didn't want to cooperate. Well, what turns out is she was she lived through the Joplin tornado a number of years ago, and her whole house fell down around her while she was in the bathtub with her family. So, so she was paral. It's not that she didn't want to go in the basement. She was paralyzed by the thought of the tornado. So, you know, we we have since then um, worked with her on developing, you know, um, some coping skills. Because we do, have, we do have severe weather here quite often and, um, you know, some coping skills around how she can get herself to a safe place without being paralyzed, um, you know, by that, that trauma that she'd experienced. Yeah, those are great examples. I'm aware – so, you
0: know, some of us that we're talking about are fairly clinical concepts, right? You know, some of these these ideas. And you're in a position where you're hoping the bookkeeper and the fundraiser and, you know, you as the person that deals with kind of the high-level strategy kind of issues are really thinking deeply about these kind of clinical topics, I guess. Has that process been challenging? Is that – has people welcomed that? You know, is there a sense of like, oh, I don't – you know, I – I'm the janitor, I don't have to know this type of yeah. feeling?
1: or um, Well, I think I'm sure in some organizations that's probably a, a real-world challenge. I think our staff across the board um, has welcomed it, including kind of the more administrative people who, who maybe on a daily basis aren't involved with the clients. All of our staff, even the staff that, you know, are the bookkeeper and our accountant and our fundraiser, we actually make a concerted effort to at least twice a month work in the home itself, doing the work, you know, making meals or, you know, kind of doing the things that if we were a a caseworker or a support staff person, resident support staff person would do. So we really do, Even we understand that even though we're kind of a little bit removed by our more administrative management tasks, we don't silo ourselves. So I think we were fortunate, and then that was already in our culture, that, um, you know, part of my job is not just to sit in my office and, you know, and talk strategy and look at financial reports, it's to it's to go out and interact with the clients. I spend two days a week um, actually in the homes, um, one in each home, um, interacting with the clients and having lunch with them and, you know, meeting with staff. And so I'm there, the clients know who I am as if I was there you know, every single day, so, and, and that's true of, of our other staff as well. So I don't think any of them really felt like this didn't apply to them. I think the more that they learn, the more excited they are that we're undertaking this initiative, and um, some of them have applied it to people in their own personal lives, just the little that they've learned so far. It helps them understand maybe what's going on with a family member or, or a friend, so, and I've certainly experienced that myself.
0: One thing I hear, you know, for people that have gone through some, they've, they've been introduced to kind of trauma-informed and, you know, they understand it really resonates or connects with them, but the hard part is really connecting with the what do I do differently, right? It's like, okay, yeah. I get this, I understand this as important, but I don't know what to do, you know, it's kind of that question of tell me what. Now what right. do I do differently? Um, right. And I know you've kind of hit on that already, but I, I was wondering if you could speak to that directly.
1: Sure. And actually that's that's kind of where we are right now. We just had a meeting yesterday with some feedback from some staff. And, okay, so I, I'm really aware now of um, how we all have experienced trauma in, in, the, in those that we serve probably have much more trauma in their background, and we're looking for it. But what do I do now? How, what do I do with that knowledge? And that that's kind of where we are now. And it's really about how do we interact differently. It's Our next training is going to be about um, language choices. For instance, you know, someone is, you know, having a, a heated Heated discussion. What we call them? Um, someone's acting a little spicy, uh-huh. um, you know. Um, and and we really want it to come down a level. And and so as we're as we're interacting with them, you know, whereas we might have said in the past, you know, tell me what's wrong with you. You know what what's wrong with you, which is a judgmental way of approaching them. We're already assuming that there's something wrong with them because they're behaving that way the trauma informed way to talk to them is is to say, what has happened to you that is causing you to be so upset? So it's approaching them from just a, a different perspective, a non judgmental, a non accusatory place to a place allowing for healing and, and communication. Because if somebody came and said to me, What's wrong with you? My defenses are going to be up. But I'm going to feel bad about myself yeah. um, if somebody says, "Oh my gosh, you know what what has happened?" That gives me the opportunity to open up and talk about it. Now I may not, but at least I don't feel defensive. So that's kind of the next thing that we're, So it's it's about communication. It's about learning the words um, that we use. Um, you know, we've had a had a history in. In dealing with, you know, maybe some some violations of some of our our policies or, or rules, saying, well, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna, I'm gonna get you, you're gonna be written up. It's kind of a power over language rather than inviting them to understand where they have an opportunity to improve. So it's all about language. Um, we've actually changed our manual. We just, all we did, we haven't gone through it yet, but we've changed the manual from house rules to expectations, so it's less of a power over. I mean, you still have to have structure when you're dealing, when you're living in a community environment. You still have to have structure. You still have to have, you know, curfews and, and things that make everybody be safe um, and ensure everybody's safety. So you still have to have those things in place, but it's but it's how you talk about them and explain why you have a curfew, things like that. So those are kind of the things that we're we're dealing with right now. In my own thinking about it, it's that the movement, our housing
0: movement, maybe got into a a phase or just, you know, in our desire to serve the women well, our thinking was really about how to manage their behavior. You know, the way that the staff interacted with with the moms was like how to kind of manage their behavior. And, And I think we're entering kind of a new dynamic where we still have to have the parameters of this is what's expected. But my role as a staff member is not to manage your behavior, right? It's to facilitate your healing process it's to accompany you you know it's to you know help create a safe environment in this in this setting so that everyone is you know healthy those type of things so it's a it's a shift of perspective in that way and i don't even know that we were cognizant as a movement that our goal was to manage behavior, but a lot of the things that we set up were around, you know, how do I get the moms to do what I need them to do, <laughs> you know?
1: Right. No, um, and That's exactly right. I mean, that's an excellent way to describe it.
0: So in, in some ways, it's kind of exciting, you know, in that our movement's been through several shifts of, over the years, and certainly as a almost 40-year-old organization, you've seen some you know that our ladies in has been through significant shifts, and I feel like this is this is another one of those kind of big, big shifts toward a new way of doing things, which right. um, which is a little overwhelming maybe and a little scary, but yeah. also really exciting. You know, to see where that goes.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I know since I've been at our ladies in, we really have desired to empower those who who seek our help. Um, you know, to take control of their lives and. And, um, and get healing. And But so many of the ways that we went about it, um, we were treating them more like children than adults. Uh, like mm-hmm. you said, we were trying to manage behavior. We were trying to, I guess, th- thinking that, you know, if we set enough rules and we held them accountable, to kind of th- with, with some punitive measures, you know, your housing is yeah. at risk if you're going to do this. We're going to have to kick you out if you do this. Now, they... We, we still may have some measures that we have to take um, if the behavior becomes so uncontrollable that it causes a safety issue for everybody else in the house. But when you approach it as this is your choice, um, rather than we're telling you, it's just it's just about the approach. It's yeah. just about the approach. I mean, they're still going to be held... Accountable, like we all are for our actions. You know, where we come from a, a, a place of trauma or no matter what we're going through in our personal lives, um, we're still held accountable for, for our actions. So I think that's going to be the biggest challenge is, and we've called it accountability with compassion. No, you know, no, how do no. we hold everyone accountable, staff and clients accountable um, for what they're, you know, what they should be doing, but do it compassionately. And I think that that's, I think if we have one stumbling block with some of our staff, it's that they think that we we won't be able to hold people accountable. Yeah, and I hear so, that a lot you know. from other, other right. fear
0: that so, the moms will take over the house or they won't be able to yes.
1: control the house. That's, I hear that, that fear yeah. a lot. So I think we'll have to just, you know, and I don't have a ready answer for how we're going to do that. We just know that that's our goal is accountability with compassion. And even though we haven't, we've done some training about being aware of trauma and we're getting ready to do some training about language, I think I'm already seeing staff say to me, you know, I had this interaction with Susie and, you know, I think I fell back into my own old pattern and I, I wasn't thinking about what she's been through. So the fact that we're catching ourselves already and we're only kind of in the awareness phase, I I think is really positive. And, and, um, you know, I think another big part of um, being a trauma-informed care agency is making sure that all of our staff have a self-care plan because of the occurrence of secondary trauma. I mean, particularly for the case managers and those who are and the counselors um, and the program directors who are kind of in the weeds with all these crises and horrible stories of our clients' past, that can wear you down. And we're all compassionate, empathetic people, and we take it in. And even though you're not supposed to, it's kind of hard not to. So we need to make sure that we're taking care of each other as a staff. And, um, you know, if somebody – if somebody looks like they're being worn down by what's going on um, or what they've been exposed to. You know, other staff members or the supervisor need to say, "Okay, what can we do for you? Um, you know, to help you heal from this secondary trauma that you're feeling? Um, is it? Do you need a couple days off? Do you need us to pray for you? Um, um, what can we do to, you know, to kind of lift some of that burden from you? Do you just need to talk mm-hmm. about it?" No. So. Oh, well said. Yeah. Well said.
0: Mm-hmm. There may be people who think that trauma is kind of just the next buzz buzzword, you know, or the next. This like the hot topic, right? And um yeah. any any sense? That, I mean, you've really made an organizational commitment to like have it mm-hmm. sink in deep.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Can you speak to maybe that that? Oh, I don't know. Maybe a little. Maybe a little cynicism that it's just the the topic yeah. of the moment
1: yeah and i um and we have kind of got that um when I've been asked questions about that from other agencies around town um but actually trauma informed care has been around quite a while um in the in the behavioral health services arena, and um I think you know in the last three to four years, it's really more come to the forefront um and as our ladies in has has evolved as I'm sure many other maternity homes have. Um, you know, when we first opened up, we were all about um, helping moms get to a safe delivery, you know, and have a healthy baby. That's about the easiest thing we do now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I came eight years ago, 21% of, of the women that came to us on an annual basis, you know, had some kind of mental health um, concern or substance abuse concern. Now it's 50%. Yeah. So, you know, for us to, you know, to really help these women, we've had to start addressing, you know, mental health, behavioral things that we never had to, that we never envisioned that we were going to have to do before. And we've had to kind of borrow from, you know, the mental health, um, behavioral health field some of their best practices, and this really seems to be the best practice. So it is kind of a buzzword, but it it's a buzzword because because it's a best practice. And it's got a lot of flexibility, I think, to adapt it to the type of services or agency that you are. Um, we, As we were doing our investigations last year, we actually went to a mental health facility in mid-Missouri that has adopt, adopted this model about 15 years ago, or began to adopt it, and talked to the, the woman who... You know, who really took that on, and now that this is her role because you can't just say, Okay, I've done all these things and I'm done. I mean, you're constantly having to make sure that any new policies and procedures you put in place, new staff that you bring on, new clients that you bring on, new visitors or whatever are aware of what's going on. So it, it'll be an ongoing. Thing. But once you kind of have that culture shift, it'll be much easier to, to maintain. And, you know, we walked away from this thinking, you know, if, if they can infuse this trauma-informed care model into a mental health facility, and actually it was a mental health facility, but it was also a prison, if they can do it. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah, figured sure, we, right, could, right. we <laughs> could do it because we were very we're very much more inclined than I think a lot of the guards and you know workers there were inclined to to adopt it. So um, it's really being looked at in all kinds of different types of service agencies. It just happened to I, I it just happened to come to us at the time that we were looking for a way to to address the ever-increasing mental health needs and and our recognition over the last, you know, decade or so that a lot of the, the concerns that, you know, we're facing with our moms are because of the trauma history that they've lived with. So, yeah, no, very um, well
0: said, yeah.
1: Yes. Thank you for that.
0: The other thing, too, is that it syncs with Christianity really easily. You know, it's, you know, our Christian worldview wants to connect with the heart of women. We want to know healing in their life. We know that when people... When even you know, when people are victims of or make choices outside of God's design that's gonna harm us and you know, like so it, right. it, it syncs up with our Christian understanding, our ministry perspective um, very naturally as well. Um Yeah, you know, it does. Us, they want um, to
1: draw those those lines together. Yeah, we really feel like this is just a natural outflow from our mission. Um in fact we have we have named this effort "Living Our Mission" nice. because it it is not a total departure from our mission. It's just an enhancement to to how we how we live out our mission. So I think you're right. It's exactly um, probably without design, but it is you know it is really Christian. Christian-based in in how we interact with everybody.
0: Maybe as just a final thought, as there are organizations that are kind of starting to go deeper into the process, any lessons learned or advice that you'd give for other executive directors or other organizations that are kind of embarking on it?
1: Well, I think, I mean, as you mentioned, I think earlier on, and we've been talking about it for, for quite some time, we needed to be ready to do it. So I think really understanding what it is you're getting into before you jump in. I mean, I don't I think it's wise for anybody who's in a service industry like we are to at least become trauma aware, which is, you know, just understanding what trauma is, the nature of trauma, what can cause it, what can trigger re traumatization. Um, so that in itself I think is a positive step and, and will help help you, but if you really have it on your heart to to change your service delivery model or enhance your service delivery model, then I think you really need to seek out some resources to really understand what it's going to take so that you're not, you know, taking one step forward and two steps back. And, you know, you have to set goals and you have to involve. Actually, what one thing I didn't mention is it, this, will involve every, this does involve everybody in the organization. Not only will they be trained, but they're going to be part of the change. So we have a number of areas, a number of goals that we're going to be setting, and we're going to ask every member of the staff, we're going to ask clients, we're going to ask volunteers to sit on committees to help come up with recommendations. So this is not a leadership sole leadership thing, us mm-hmm. coming up with everything we're going to change and kind of saying this is what it is and handing it down. We're hoping that every staff member will find some area of interest, whether it's policies and procedures or environment or cl- the client intake process, that they would be anxious to be involved in, in taking a look at and how we might change and, and recommending how we go about changing. I think that's important, too. So understanding that it's, you know, it's not a, it's not a quick thing. It's a it's a shift that comes over time I mean because you still have to be doing everything you're doing while you're doing this too you know sure, it's not like absolutely. we can walk away from serving clients for three years while we're kind of you know getting it all together getting it all together yeah. it's a little bit it's a little depth at a time
0: well we look forward to watching that transformation over time into uh, you know, as you experiment and figure new things out and to better understand those. I will definitely stay in touch and watch with interest kind of as you as you take these steps. Thank you so much for being with us, Peggy, and for just kind Perfect. of sharing being open hearted about the process and, you know, its ups and downs and uh, the realities of it. Now, it's great to hear you, as a non-clinician, right, talk about these right. things and embrace them and and have a heart for them and and really lead the way uh, to help other other people in that role do the same. So definitely grateful for your time. You are most welcome. So with that, we're signing off. We'll catch you on the next podcast. Uh, look forward to connecting. Thanks so much. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Pregnancy Help Podcast. To subscribe to future episodes, access resources related to today's session. Or listen to previous episodes. Visit www.heartbeatinternational.org/podcast. Thanks for tuning in.